This is Random Nintendo episode 32 for December three. 12th. No, no, I looked I looked it up. Nope, it's three. <laughs> I see we, we haven't missed a beat. I'm, I'm on randomnintendo.com, it's three. Prove it. This is Random Nintendo episode 33 for December 12th. <laughs> what a way to kick things back up to yep. my virtual left as usual, beat. Jason. The corrector Jason, yes, hello. So the corrector Jason, and then to my virtual right, we got Angel. Wow, he's so fun at parties. Yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm literally the well actually guy. I just don't have glasses to push up the bridge of my nose. But have you ever me. worn glasses? Me? No, never have. Contact Both my parents glasses? do. So it's only a matter of time. Oh, oh, sure. I've worn like not real glasses, but I've never like worn glasses. What do you mean by not real glasses? Like yeah, for a Barbara, costume. His, like, style or I guess like a thing he did he just wore like no. frameless glasses no. as just part of his wardrobe no no I was like, that was his no. during his college years listen anyone that has listened to us knows I'm already kind of an odd guy but like we don't need to make me weirder like I didn't wear empty framed glasses <laughs> no but uh, I have like for a like costume or something put on I was where I was Waldo for Halloween one year we one uh year of you know where's Waldo fame and those had like those kind of like coke bottle glasses so I had those but I don't like wear them is there another Waldo? Um, probably not. You said Waldo of Waldo is in Where's Waldo? What <laughs> other Waldo would there be? I uh, <laughs> w- w- I don't know. Actually, that's a good point. Wal- yeah. Waldo What's Disney. Wrong with you? Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson. I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just I'm legitimately thinking like, <laughs> no, what I, other yeah. Waldo is there? I I don't know, but someone out there is probably like, oh, thank you for the clarification. Maybe they have a cousin named Waldo, and they thought I was dressing as them. I don't know. Well, and if you have poor, a cousin named Waldo, cousin. what? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. All right. Waldo, you know, I, I always like to specify M Mario of Super Mario fame, so Donkey Kong of Donkey Kong fame. I like <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that Kevin pointed that out, now I just it just sounds weird because like, what other Donkey Kong is there? I've never said Donkey Kong of Donkey Kong fame to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but still. Yeah. Um, you're right. It was an unnecessary thing that then stretched down to a two-minute conversation. Yeah, yeah that's how we do it here on this podcast. Uh, Indeed. So the last time we recorded Arnon, I think, was back early October. I mean, you, you have the website up, right? You still have it up? Uh, yeah, yeah, but then I closed November? it. November? <laughs> we pretty much Well, we did November. a JK with Jason and Kevin. So we did have some not-Nintendo content for people to chew on. But yes, the last official... Nin Nintendo was October third, so it's been over two months. Jesus. Okay. Well. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much the reason being, uh, listener, our schedules are pretty hectic right now. Going into the new year, we're still not sure what our schedules look like. Uh, to record random Nintendo. So, for the immediate future, we are going to try and record a random Nintendo whenever we can. Uh, so to put it in very blunt terms, don't expect a random Nintendo, uh, on an off week for a random Nintendo, if that makes sense. Did I say that? I, Always I I expect that. a Nintendo. Be pleasantly surprised when you see a Nintendo. Y- yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky because the world opened back up. So we're back doing things in the world, which means. You know, even like work schedules or or travel or things like that get in the way. So yeah, it's, this is now a as we can type of show, I guess. 
to echo what you're saying, Kevin. Yeah, pretty much. But Nintendo's uh, not going anywhere. Random Nintendo will continue every other Sunday for perpetuity, or at least until we stop. Yeah. But it'll be consistent. <laughs> yeah, so Random Nintendo will continue to be every other Sunday. Random Nintendo eh, will pop in every now and then. Uh, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe something crazy will happen where we absolutely have to record Random Nintendo, but you never know. I think yeah. We... yeah, and who knows? Maybe maybe the pandemic will get a big wave in the future and we'll be back to locked in with nothing to do and you're going to hear Nintendo nonstop. Oh, God. I've... Hopefully I not. bring back Hopefully the SoCal that. COVID update, that'd be, that'd be too much. Have you guys uh, yeah. gotten your boosters yet? I have. I did. I have did yet you, to get uh, Did you mix and match your boosters? No. no. So you kept I'm all, I'm all Moderna. I heard that makes you explode. No, I'm just kidding. It <laughs> doesn't. I, uh... I stuck with Moderna just because it, it's already such a high percentage of effectiveness that I was like, oh, well, I'll just keep doing that. Like, it didn't even drop. From my understanding, Moderna drops into, like, the 80s after six months, while, like, Pfizer drops into the 70s in terms of percentage of effectiveness. And J&J is, like, in the 40s or 50s or something. So I just stuck with what was already super high. And the it gave me chills and always seems a little scuffed to me. The which one? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I understand right the convenience the factor of one versus two shots, but, like... There's a reason the other are two. It benefits you. you get what you pay for. Take I the guess? time. You, yeah, uh, yeah. Between all the free things I mean, you get, what you pay for, for in time. Yeah. I have to. Uh, I, so I still have to schedule my my booster shot, but like with my work schedule, it's super tricky because I specifically have to. I know for a fact that it's going to knock me out. So like I have to schedule it a day before I know that I'm off. Uh, but then I also right. have to like find find a day like a day where I can go in to get it, and then like make sure the next day I'm off. And my work schedule is pretty hectic this for this for these upcoming two weeks. Uh, so we'll see how that ends I, up for me. I will say, yeah, it it anecdotally and firsthand, it seems like the booster does hit harder. You will feel oh more. My I know, God. Angel, you're the exception. Angel apparently felt yeah, fine I after no his. No side effects whatsoever. Well, did we you guys the, have the COVID? First... No, I had COVID. That there's the issue. Oh right, because they say if you had it, it will the the um booster hurts or hits even harder. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's why. That's what I'm worried yeah. about. Yeah, I I even you know COVID free had um like chills, aches. Oh um, wow! It took about so twelve hours to set in, that. but a headache. Are <laughs> so you sure that you the... that you didn't have? Uh, COVID and it was like asymptomatic. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure. But I know that everyone I've talked to anecdotally has also minus Angel because he's some sort of superhuman. Uh, also had chills and headaches, weirdly, like all the exact same symptoms. Like my parents, like girlfriend's side of the family, like all of them got the booster and had the exact same set of symptoms right after. So, uh, okay, yeah, okay, interesting. Okay, so yeah, I, I so guess I wasn't alone in that but... when. Uh... Oh no, 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 no but. But yeah, you said booster, right? Not the actual vaccine. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The first two shots, I felt nothing. Maybe I like took a nap that I wouldn't normally take the day after I got the second shot, but that was like it. I was fine. But this one, this one, yeah. Oh man, I'm just worth the pain because it. it means it's working. But oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely like oh, I guess this. I'm doing nothing this weekend now. So yeah, yeah. You're on the uh, random Nintendo 
here at uh, RNHQ, we endorse uh, getting your vaccination and your booster shots, people. Please. We do. And I would like to not scoop. be stuck inside and not have to wear a mask and not have to show a card whenever I go into a bar, please. Agreed. And inside scoop, I was actually in achy pain. I didn't have chills, though, but I was in achy pain when we recorded around Nintendo last week because that was after I got the booster. I hope I hit it well, but if if, if a, retrospectively you're like, wow, Jason made no sense, it's Moderna, not me. Just saying. Well, I do believe that there can be side effects. Um, I, 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 I believe that you were just playing for uh, for the meme, I guess. But you, <laughs> you thought I was like, I want to be like one of the cool kids and have like aches and chills? Yeah. I like open like, all the windows in my apartment. I'm like, I need to get cold in here so I can say I was bigger, chilly. So it, it, no, if it's your no. MO. No, no. Do you, uh, that reminds me. Do you remember <laughs> when uh, a bunch of Twitter accounts got hacked and like high profile Twitter accounts got hacked and uh, they were tweeting something along the lines of like, oh, send Bitcoin to like this uh, this mm-hmm. wallet. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. somebody, somebody quote tweeting when Joe Biden did it and putting like, Joe Biden doesn't even know what's going on. He's just copying everybody. I was like, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I want to be in on that. I want a Bitcoin kickback from a hacked account. That person made and off they, with a bunch of money, apparently. Uh, they did until they didn't. They got caught. Pretty. Oh yeah, I think there's two caught. people that were involved that got Which caught. Which I thought was, like was the entire point of Bitcoin. Yeah, What's that's going true. On that's fair. I, I'm. I, <laughs> I don't want to stir up the crypto and the NFT bros. If we have any of those, all I'm going to say to the crypto NFT bros is you ruined the Staples Center name, and LA will never forgive you. I was I was literally at Tom's Urban across the street uh, from Staples Center last night, and yep, it's completely barren now. It's it's sad, unfortunate, and you know, you know, no offense, crypto NFT bros. There's a decent chance Crypto.com, like any website, won't necessarily exist in 20 years when the naming rights are up. Somewhere in the middle of that, we're going to have an arena named after a dead website. And that's going to be weird. Like, can you imagine if it was the Pets.com bowl or something? Like, Pets.com, if you don't recall, is like the Web 2.0, like, prototypical, like, big bubble that burst website. They used to have the sock puppet ads in the Super Bowl with the little dog with the microphone. Oh. And they, they went bankrupt in, like, a year, year and a half. Yeah, I remember Can you imagine that. if, like, multiple stadiums were Pets.com and then they ceased to exist, like, 18 months later and you just have the stadium named after a defunct website? That's my gut feeling of what's going to happen with that. Crypto.com. The story was Petco Stadium then, right? Because that wasn't based on, I guess, something that was just a website initially? Petco yeah. Park. Yeah, well, it, it's, 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 it's not necessarily just a website initially. It's part of, like, the, you know, trendy web bubble thing that may or may not last. Yeah, pizza.net was a thing, right? Something like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although funny, that kind of reincarnated because now there's Slice, which is an app that all like local pizza places can sign up for to handle delivery. You know, like if you're not Domino's or Pizza Hut, but you want the same like oh, app interesting. I didn't know you can join Slice. Yeah, man, so. there's just an app for everything nowadays. Uh, there going really real is. quick back to uh, uh, Crypto.com Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, m- me personally, I used to work at Staples Center, and man, there is a lot of things in that building that need to get rebranded. Oh yeah, <laughs> like a lot. Even like in some of the nooks and crannies that people do not see, there is a lot of stuff in there that has to get rebranded. It's insane. Uh, I have also, to imagine that's why they said we're starting the change at Christmas, which they're already ahead of now, and it won't be done till I think they said June. 
because like they that's a lot of signage. There's gonna yeah. be a very busy um like Kinkos or something for the next you know for six months. Yeah, uh, I looked it up. CryptoArena.com takes you nowhere. Does Crypto.comArena.com take you anywhere? No, but I believe you can buy Crypto.com dot uh, CryptoArena.com.co as the domain. Hmm. So if we just keep shuffling around the .com part, portions of a web URL, we can spoof their website. I was I was literally looking at uh like I wonder if they have Crypto Arena because you could still use StableCenter.com uh, for right. like their events and tickets and stuff like that. And I was wondering, like, what if I just – there was absolutely no shot ever that I'd be able to take CryptoArena.com and then just try to, you know, have AEG buy it off me. But I was just <laughs> – I was still curious. And then, sure enough, it led nowhere. But according to GoDaddy, I couldn't buy it. It does make me wonder how are they going to do the URL because technically the arena is not Crypto Arena. It, if it was that, it wouldn't be as bad of a name. It's Crypto.com Arena. It just doesn't – roll off the tongue at all cryptocomarena.com i guess i could do cryptocom yeah cryptocomarena.com but uh it's a messy name it's a yeah it's a mess it's wave obviously not nowhere near as good as staple center staple center yeah. just rolls off the tongue it's also that familiarity bias though right because like before staple center you know the lakers and all that were at the forum at the time the fabulous forum here in la and i I wouldn't be surprised if I go and look back that there's probably a lot of parallels between people going. They're going from the Fabulous Forum to an office supply arena? Seriously? Was the, was the Fabulous Forum <laughs> a nickname or the actual name? The venue, I think, is technically called the Fabulous Forum back in its original iteration, and they've since okay, just changed it to the up. Forum. Yeah. But my point is, like, that was probably as much of a system shock for people as going from, like, you know, generic venue name to now it's the people that sell me paper, like, really, and staplers. Like, why? why are... Why is our glorious Lakers playing at a, you know, office office max competitor? Okay, like, so it was this? never it was never a uh, it was never called the Fabulous Forum. It was never officially the Fabulous Forum. Oh, it was just the forum, and then they hyped up the name as Fabulous yeah, Forum. Much. I see. Also, so the Sable Center was not built for the Lakers or the Clippers. I just want to point that out. Uh, oh, really? I'm very anal about that because no, it it was not for the Clippers or the Lakers. It was for the Kings. That's why the premium seating area oh. is all purple. That's why uh, oh. their guest services also wear purple because they are they were there for the kings. Interesting, and now and now everyone's slowly that. leaving. Yeah, I never knew that too. And now some of the teams are leaving because the Clippers are getting an arena next to the new SoFi Stadium down yep, in Inglewood. Next to the new SoFi. Yep. And then I, I'm pretty sure Lakers are probably going to stay. I yeah, Lakers and leave. Kings will probably stay. But yeah, yeah, King, uh, Kings kind of have to stay because uh, <laughs> yeah. the Kings are owned by AUG, who owns the Staples Center. Right. It's yeah. interesting how many venues there are now in LA in general. Like, because with SoFi, that came with its own theater called YouTube Theater, which for those gamers out there, um, the theater is roughly the same size as the Microsoft Theater, which is literally 20 minutes away with no traffic, which uh, is home of the Game Awards. So now there's two venues of that size. So right next to CryptoArena.com or Crypto.com yep. Arena or whatever it's called now. In, in LA Live, yeah. And so you got two st- two theaters that size. You will have two basketball stands that size. You'll have um, obviously SoFi Stadium, but then there's also like the Coliseum, but there's also the Rose Bowl. There, there's a lot of venues now, and Bank of California Stadium, like and whatever the other one is called now, uh, StubHub Center. Like there's so many StubHub arenas. Center? No, <laughs> it, that is now called Dignity Health Park. I think. 
Wow, that is an awful name. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> I thought uh, Crypto.com was bad. That's, that's Bank of California Stadium. Bank Bank of California, B-A-N-C. Uh, very, very important distinction. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe they had the ram- the the raming, the naming rights for 15 years, and they just went back on that deal. So they had to pay a fine, and uh, I believe the stadium is now looking for a new, a uh, just a new partner for the for the stadium. But everything really still is already. Open. I know a lot of this stuff because I work in the uh, I guess the venue industry. But like, isn't Bank of California only like two years old? What happened there? Do we? Were they just like ah, too much money? I don't. That's I so have crazy. no idea, honestly. But hmm. uh, Bank of California Stadium, as much of a mouthful as it was worked because you could just call it the bank and people would understand what you were talking about. Yeah. And they also had a great slogan for uh for LAFC, the uh MLS soccer team that plays there. Whenever there'd be a home game, they would say defend the bank and I always thought that was like the coolest thing ever in like their promotional that, videos. That is good. Yeah. Especially uh, with how like I feel like with soccer in particular, it's always not quite war, but you know, like when they have the crowds with the drums and the flags, it does feel like it's some sort of medieval, like time for battle. So defending the bank actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're talking about venues. I know hmm. Jason was just right next door to the Bank of California Stadium at the LA Coliseum, another place that we just talked about. I yeah. was. That was my uh second time at the Coliseum ever, which is a really cool venue because that's where the Olympics were back in the 80s, and they still have that flame lit every night, Um, at least when there's events. But yes, I was there for uh Kanye and Drake's uh prison reform benefit concert, I guess you could call it, Um, where they reunited after a beef of a couple years that was like both mean and also like the most tame thing in the world simultaneously. Um, but yes, they reunited and they did a show and I won't go too much into it, but it was really cool. Like I was amazed at like Kanye's return to form. Like you, you were watching the stream, weren't you, Kevin? On, um, yeah, I was on uh, Twitch. They, uh, Amazon music live streamed the entire thing. No ads. Surprisingly. I'm pretty sure that that would have been gone terribly if they, oh, for sure. Just threw ads in there. No, but But, yeah, yeah, I I mean, everyone, I watched the live stream up until, Oh, what was the last song that they played? Uh, I mean, it ended with Forever. No, 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 no. Uh, I didn't see the entire Kanye set. I'm I'm trying to remember the oh, last okay. Kanye song that uh that he played. It might have been Flashing Lights. Well, the fact that he even played Flashing, Flashing Lights. lights. Nope. nope. I mean, Angel, you've heard the song. I know you know it. That was almost the, all the lights tune that you sung, which he did also do. But that was the interesting thing about the show is so they didn't say what was being performed or anything. So most people assumed, okay, it's going to be some, because Kanye's kind of like, he went down this religious route. He swore off his past music. He said he wasn't going to swear anymore. Like he just like was like, I'm, you know, those the topics of the songs aren't good. Like he just was like, I'm going to do like Jesus stuff now, which sure. Um, And he backed off that a little with his last album, Donda. But then he comes out and he brings out like his Sunday service choir. And you're like, okay, so we're kind of in that era of Kanye now. And they, first of all, not that I'm listening to gospel music or anything, but they were actually really good. They did like a really impressive cover of Easy on Me by Adele. Um, and then they start doing like Kanye songs and him and Drake like walk down the steps of the Memorial Coliseum very dramatically. And, um, and then they like have the bass kick in on top of the choir, which was kind of a cool moment. Like everything just started like shaking. And then Kanye like walks in the middle of the field, goes up to his little stage, which was not little at all. It was actually like, 
this giant dome that they laid concrete for, and it was shooting out smoke pretty much the entire time, and then they had all these lights set up around the stadium to basically change the color of the smoke in the stage. So, like, one song would be, like, blue-tinted, one song would be white-tinted, one song would be orange-tinted. And um, he just kind of, you know, trotted up. He did one of his newer songs, sort of. He has, like, one verse on it, and it's mostly other people's. He's just kind of jumping around the stage. And we're like, okay, so it is going to be Donda. And then he says, all right, I'm going to take it back to day one. And he started doing every single hit, almost every single hit you can think of, from the yeah, very first Heartless. album. He up, started he with – It was – Heartless was on the set list. Apparently, but he started with um, Jesus Walks, right? Yep. So he died, which was his very first single back in the day, I think. Or second wait, single, Jesus maybe. Walks was the first one. It was. It might uh, have been his second. Through the Wire might have been the. first I thought Through the Wire was oh. the first one. Yeah, I think I think you're right. So it was his second, but he did do. He did, did he not do Through the Wire? the Wire though. No, he did not do Through the Wire. Yeah. But he did basically all the big hits. Like everyone came in, like, what's he gonna do? He hasn't performed or headlined in five years. Uh, he did like one performance with Kid Cudi for Kid Seagulls, which was their side project. Um. In like 2019, and he didn't like he was a little out of shape, and he didn't remember most of the lyrics, and it was kind of a weird thing. It was a cool experience, but it was a weird like he himself wasn't peak performance. So coming into this, I think everyone's bar was set really low, and he just went hit after hit after hit after hit, and it was like every single song, you know, the the song every would end, song people would be like, oh yay, up. yeah, yeah, like the song would end, and would be like, oh that's cool, and then we'd hear the beat start for the next song, and the stand would just erupt, and everyone look around like bewildered, like he's doing this song now, and he just went through all of them for like forty five straight minutes. He barely talked, he just like played, which you know for Mister Ranter that he is says a lot, uh, and he just like kept playing and kept doing songs, and they did like some kind of like B side ones or not B sides, but smaller ones, like he did I Wonder off the album Graduation, which is a good song, I like it a lot, but like I don't know if he's ever, I don't think I've ever seen him perform that, like, and I've seen him live basically since 2012 um so yeah it was just and then he at one point just ran we like started doing can't tell me nothing and they went game time and then drake comes running up side stage and they perform it together and at another point he sings a song that he actually gave to drake back in the day called find your love which is the first time kanye's ever performed that song because it's technically not his anymore um and then drake did a set and then <laughs> drake okay so drake that was my. I don't know if the stream reflected it, but definitely you could tell that like once Kanye set the tone of like we're doing like hit after hit after hit, every classic song you know if you're a fan, any song you know if you're just a casual listener of the radio, like we're just gonna go. And then Drake's like, "All right, guys, let me play some stuff off my new album." He didn't actually say it; so he just kind of did it. And everyone's like, oh, "Okay," like there was no like Hotline Bling, there was no. Um, you know, a lot of his early, uh, there, he did, I guess he did do God's plan, but there's a lot of stuff where like, why are you, why are you choosing when clearly this is like the best of type of performance to do only the new stuff? So it definitely got like quieter in the stadium when Drake came on. People were still into it, but like, it wasn't like this ravenous, crazy so energy. He was just out was. his new stuff, I guess? Kind what of, yeah, which is interesting because he just pulled all his new album from the Grammy nominations a week prior. Which I don't know what that meant or why he did it, but it was kind of interesting that he's like, no, 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 I don't want this album like in the Grammys anymore. But at a show where Kanye is playing every single song you know him for, let me play some stuff you maybe don't know me as well for. <laughs> it's just like, what? But, um, yeah, and then, so, Con uh, Drake did like 20 minutes, and then there's a hole in the stage, in the middle of the stage, and Drake just like disappeared into it. Like he just stood in the middle of the stage and just like lowered away into this concrete dome that they were performing on. They literally built a lift for him to go down just for that one moment because then 15 minutes later he came back on stage uh during the encore kanye did like four more songs again all hits 
And then uh, Drake came out and they did Forever, which is the first song they did together. It was back in the like 2009. It was for a LeBron James documentary, I think, but it was Kanye, Drake, Eminem, Lil Wayne, which in 2009, that's like a who's who of rap. Um, but uh, they ended with just Drake and Kanye doing it, which was super cool because I was saying actually to, to your brother Elvis, Angel, when uh, you know he's like, what song do you think they're going to do together? I'm like, I mean – Forever would be awesome, but that's from 2009. There's no way Kanye remembers the lyrics to that. And at that point, I didn't think he practiced because there's a period there where Kanye didn't pr- practice before performing or rehearse at all. He just like came out and hoped he remembered. So, um, yeah, when they did that as the finale, that like just the place just like blew up again. And yeah, it was really cool. It was peak old Kanye, no rants, no weird politics. Just he did a prayer at one point because now he's a man of Jesus, which whatever. But, um, yeah. Did you dance along? It was two hours. It was two straight hours. It was really cool. It maybe one of the better really Kanye cold. experiences I've ever had. Yeah. So no dancing from the Jason. No, no, what? Not really. I mean, I, I guess I, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't like start standing on the seats and start like totally rocking out now. But I will say someone at the very end, so they set up speakers all around the stadium and they're on like these kind of tables almost like really big tables. Um, and someone at the very end decided, I'm going to go dance with the speakers. And I like, got on the table and started dancing. And security was there so fast because um, I'm assuming they don't want anything getting anywhere near the tragedy of, of World a couple weeks ago. So they were like on top of that person within like five seconds. But um, but yeah, no, besides that, everyone was civil and dancing in their seats, not like going crazy. Getting out of there sucked. Show ended at 11.30, which was past curfew. Kanye ran past curfew and had to actually speed up the, the encore because of it. But um, parking at USC, for those who aren't um, from L.A. and you come to L.A. and you happen to go to the Coliseum, do not park at USC. Just Uber. It might be $80, but it took us two hours to get out of there. Yeah, probably parking lot was just one of a the traffic jam. worst – one of the two worst venues for parking in L.A. Mm-hmm. Which without I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I didn't know it was that bad. Like I figured, oh, I'm at, par- I was at a parking lot, uh, parking lot two and a half blocks away. And I was like, this should be fine. And no, it was not. <laughs> like literally we couldn't, the p- cars wouldn't even move in the parking lot until about an hour later. And then there's like a drip feed of getting people out, but worth it though. Totally worth it. Um, and I'm hoping this is Kanye kind of returning to form and he's moving away from some of the shenanigans is moving back towards focusing on being a performer because when he does he is honestly probably one of the best performers out there like he knows how to put on a show he's super energetic he's a little like less energetic now because he's like 44 but he's super energetic he has crazy visuals like every show i've seen has been something different whether he's flying on stage above you or you know um in this case he's basically standing on like a moon looking dome and all the lights of people's cameras kind of acted as stars. So it looked like he was like in outer space and there's like all this smoke and stuff. But um, yeah, it's always a very interesting performance. And it's it's like another level than most artists. So so hopefully this is the start of something great and maybe a tour. But um, as of now, it was a one-off show. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I'm glad I live in LA. So it's like the, be, being able to attend something like that and have it be, you know, six miles, eight miles, whatever from where I live is, is super cool. So, so that was Kanye and Drake. I said it'd be quick, and then it wasn't. But there you go. <laughs> wow, look at you doing stuff around the city. Yeah, and it was vax required, and it was mask mandated. Although people mm, weren't all wearing them, but yeah, um, that's like not gonna happen, especially yeah in a 
seventy thousand person stadium. Yeah, and with, yeah, but it was it was vax required, so that felt. I mean, I think it's vax required like negative test within how many hours, but um, that is kind of the security blanket for now, at least. That you know, if vax is required, it's relatively safe. So yeah, yeah. always always just relative. Uh, mm-hmm. I closed the docket by accident. Hold on. But, I mean, Kevin, what did you think? Well, you opened it. What did you think of it from um, what you were watching on the stream? Because I didn't get to see the cool, like, cinematography and stuff. Like, they hired the cinematographer of Joker, I think, to do it or something uh, like that. That looks like any other, uh, like, live stream to me, honestly. Oh, no, well, nothing sorry, about, nothing Joker. Nothing about it looked good. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, hold on. Nothing about it looked like... Uh... Cinema- cinematic? Yeah, pretty much. Fair. It was like, fair. okay, yeah, this is just a, another thing that he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, crap. Somebody vamp. Well, I actually, you know, uh, I yeah. tried and then your, your answer was, you know, it was just a stream and that was the end of that. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, got, we haven't wow. heard from Angel. Angel. Yeah, I think I said a few things. Yeah, a few that. things out of like entire, almost 30, 30 minutes. minutes of recording already. Wow. Wow. How time flies. Well, what's up? What's what up? Want? What do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I might as well start with King Richard because I ended up watching that movie twice, like in a week, almost back to back. Yeah, like from week to week. Um, you know, I've little background. If it hasn't come up in this podcast, maybe it came up in the other podcast. But of all the sports, tennis is definitely the one. I think the only one I ever really cared about. It's the one I willingly played on my own. Wasn't the tennis team, all that fun stuff. And yeah, so naturally I was like interested in this movie, but ironically, considering like what I just said, I actually didn't know much about Serena and Williams, let alone her their father. So yeah, everyone that I watched this movie was kind of went in blind. Like we just didn't know what to expect. We just knew that you know, um, Venus and Serena are amazing tennis players. I guess that's kind of where it ends. And <laughs> not. And, you know, like, Will Smith was also, like, starring in this, and I've been wanting to watch a Will Smith performance in a while. I don't know what it was, but I've just been kind of itching for one. I haven't seen Suicide Squad or anything else he's created in between that. But, you know, we had Tennis, we had Will, might as well check it out. And I didn't know you were on a first-name basis with him. Oh, yeah, Will and I go way back, I mean. Ah, okay. (laughs) So... No, but yeah, um, movie was great. Um, we really enjoyed it. A lot of heart. Definitely, you know, some people, I I think I've heard some criticism that some people didn't love that it was all from the perspective of the dad, which, yeah, I guess if it's a movie about tennis and you're mainly watching the business side of things, then I guess I could see that. But, I don't know, I, 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 liked, I liked the perspective of the Richard side and what, like, everything he had to go through in order to, like, make you know, both of them stars, and I think it really showed at the end after after the credits rolled and they show some B-roll of the actual Venus and Serena, <laughs> Venus and Serena, like, when they were kids or, like, when the dad was doing his thing. Like, I didn't realize they took a lot of those shots and just, like, did a one-to-one of them. Like, there were some shots in the movie that, as we were watching it for the first time, that... I remember we were thinking, like, like, oh, like, that's a fun moment, but that's probably just added for the movie. 
but it turns out like no that actually happened or that that is really like that like it's kind of crazy how i guess much of everything yeah how much how many things actually came true for the dad because essentially he wanted before apparently before they were even born that he wrote a plan of how they're going to both be like the best in the world and that's basically what happened so it's just kind of crazy and will smith's performance was really good too a lot of heart a lot of a lot of sadness a lot of some comedy it's not really a comedy but there is a lot of i really like the the performance of the the dude from the walking dead he was in there not he's not bear grimes ben grimes i don't know the name of the main character um, but the best friend that I guess was with the wife after his long coma. Oh, um, uh, he played the Punisher. Crap, why am I... Th- yeah, the Punisher. Name? Except he's very skinny in this movie. Not that he was, like, fat in the Punisher. I mean, he was, like, you know, more built. In this one, he's more scrawny. But his performance was really entertaining. Um, you know, just seeing the the coach that was essentially, like, not duped, but I guess... Slightly manipulated into training them for free and, like, you know, buying them houses and moving them out to Florida, and how he essentially, like, had to deal with it on his end just because of the dad's, I guess, at the time, unorthodox methods. But, no, they come from a, they came from an interesting place, and, you know, I think it's worth watching, especially if you're into that circle, or honestly, even if you don't really know about tennis, like, just knowing that Venus and Serena were a thing was kind of enough to make this movie really enjoyable because, you know, it was all new. Like, even if you know that, like, I mean, obviously we know that they they become famous. So, like, obviously whatever happens in the movie is, you know, it, there's an expectation. But, no, in spite of that, it was still, still a fun watch. But all I really have to say about that. Unless, um, did either of you watch it or even I... considered watching it or... I didn't until you mentioned it to me, consider until you said that you saw it twice in a week, and I was like, oh, but I still haven't seen it, no. Um, One one note, though, just because it seems to be a running through line of this episode, that interesting place they come from is Compton. So, again, ties to L.A., like everything else we've talked about today so far. Um, Uh, But, yeah, no, I haven't haven't yet. Yeah, no, it's uh, not far from USC and uh, Crypto.com Arena either. Everything's very local this episode so far. Yep, 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 yep. You know what isn't close? Mars, Glenn? space. Oh. That's Cowboy true. Bebop just ca- canceled. Oh yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. everybody. It's only been three weeks. That's yeah, crazy? It's crazy how fast they canceled it. Am I am I crazy? But the last episode was that when I the last random Nintendo was that when I went on my rant, my Cowboy Bebop. Yes. Rant? Yes, Jesus about the fan. The the now it's just been canceled. Yeah. What? Yeah, talking about like the. The fan reaction? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the last that was the last art on. Uh, and in that time the thing came out, got viewed, got cancelled. So. Got cancelled. Poor, poor Cowboy Bebop. Well uh, Angel, you saw it. I am like two episodes away from finishing it. And Which I not will. not bad, right? No, I, I think the way you've been describing it has been pretty dead on like I've been enjoying it, like I, I've been obviously enjoying it enough to continue watching it this far. Like, I would not have kept watching it if I felt like it was terrible. Like, and even some of the stuff that wasn't gelling with me in the beginning, like, I wasn't completely in love with Faith's character. 
in the beginning, but a lot of them just grew on me. And then eventually the show just, I mean, just became its own thing, which is kind of how you should be looking at it from the beginning. But I just wanted, I was just curious to see where they take it. And I did end up liking like John Cho's portrayal. I don't know the name of the guy that plays Spike, but I also liked them. But, yep, that is John Cho. Yeah. The, Wait, Spike? I mean, sorry, Jet, Jet, Jet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, the aesthetics were great, but yeah, there were some parts that I was like, oh, it's a little kind of weirded out by, but, you know, it didn't make me stop watching it. If they had more time. Yeah, like Dakota, yeah. Dakota Kevin, like a second season would have probably been really, really helpful. Yeah, like, there was, uh, I doubt we're going to get into spoilers, but there was a lot of little things in this adaptation that they changed. Vicious character, pretty much very, very different from... Yeah, he, from the first time, I'm like, whoa, we're seeing a lot of them. And yeah, we... I, was Spike probably, the Furious? Was that a thing? No, I don't I, I don't remember. know where, where they got... What, what did they call him? I'm sorry? I forgot already. Um, furious, fearless, fearless, fearless. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fearless. I was like, oh, "What? What is that? That's so weird." <laughs> yeah, they they focus way too. I much guess they on want the to vicious. justify vicious having a weird name. I guess, but I guess, uh, yeah. But which absolutely didn't need, didn't need to happen. Vicious, kind of a lame character in this. They sort of took the mystery. Yeah, it's a face, they, and it's a facial expression or something. They took away the mystery of Julia, which that was like a, a running mystery throughout the, the show. But aside from that, like, I thought everything else gelled okay enough. There was always this sense of, there's something that I can't put my finger on, but there was just something off about the entire show. But it wasn't because they just, I don't feel that the that the showrunners didn't understand uh, what was cow what like cowboy bebop's nature was it was just maybe maybe it was like yeah it, w- it was never meant to work in a uh in a uh live action medium uh yeah i don't think it was the abomination that other people have called it just like you said i think the cast really worked well especially like towards the end once we got to know the the entire cast or I mean, we've known this cast of characters before. We just haven't seen their live-action uh, counterparts. But, you know, after a few episodes, they, they, they gel really well together. Uh, yeah, it's... like... What was uh, go ahead. Um, wow, I had it. Oh, yeah. I I think when I was like halfway through the series, I actually started re-watching the original Cowboy Bebop. Because I hadn't seen it in, like, almost a decade. Yeah, so, so did I. And one thing I realized, like, both, you know, they both have... I wouldn't call either of the... Well, actually, I wouldn't call the animated one just a straight-up comedy. Like, both of them definitely have a lot of comedy elements that they try to be lighthearted. But I feel like the anime did a better job of m- making... Having a more serious tone when it needed it. Like, I felt like, oh, this is serious. I need to take this seriously. But I felt like even when... That live action adaptation was trying to be serious. I felt like I could never take it seriously, or at least yeah, like, I can I, see that. I, I guess the sense of like importance or like it, mainly because of fearless. Like you know, there were that whole side was mysterious. He seemed like an actual threat. Like oh, who's this guy? But in the live action one, like 
almost immediately, like, in the first few episodes. Um, I think, like, there's a part where, um, I guess Spike, like, you know, essentially threatens Fearless. He, like, tries to, he pretends to snipe him. Vicious. Or, well, if, ah, Spike, yeah, tries to kill, <laughs> well, yeah, he finds Vicious and he, like, hits him through, well, he hits the window, pretty much showing, like, oh, I could have killed you right now. Pretty much, like, eliminating, like, any form of threat from Vicious. It's like, oh, he could have killed, he could kill him at any time that he wants. He's just biding his time or something. I don't know, but it's just something you have to get used to. Yeah, and uh, as Jason said, it got canceled just as soon as it pretty much came out. Uh, it was like three weeks, right? If even. Yeah, something like that. Um, Which is wild, like because it got it got eyeballs, didn't it? Like, yeah, it got eyeballs. It was in their top ten. Of that week, probably, uh, in its second week, it was in its top ten of uh, most viewed stuff. I was like, oh, man, what is Netflix's barometer for success? It's a good question. Because like, I mean, it clearly isn't just raw view count. Yeah, apparently else, not. I'm sure the show hit. also was expensive. Yeah, which which probably had something to do with it. Even though there were there are some shots in the show that look very very cheap. Oh, I mean, even in the trailer, it looked like the entire thing. It reminded me of like early. Remember when the like it's like maybe two thousand five, and everyone's like, "Oh, guys, green screen based movies are gonna be the future." And it came out with one called like Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, and it's like, guys, this is the future of movies. You need to see it because it's what movies will look like. It's like, oh yeah, everything's digital or everything's like small scale, but it also looks kind of like like it's small scale. Like it looks not cheap, but cheap. I got that vibe from the trailer. Like, it looked very much like these are closed sets, these are tiny spaces, these are green screens. Like, it didn't look like it was that expensive of a show in a way, if that makes sense. At least off the trailer. Yeah. Maybe the, there, maybe the show looks a little different, but, yeah. One place where I will say that the show definitely did shine was in, like, the set design. Mm-hmm. I thought it was mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, whenever it didn't look cheap, it looked amazing, uh, I think. I don't know how you felt about that, Angel. Um, yeah, now that you mentioned it, there were definitely, like, some scenes that just, some scenes look cool, I'm like, you know, oh, that looks like a city, but, yeah, I definitely got, like, vibes of some sense, like, especially there was a town where, I think it's where he gets hypnotized or something, but, for some reason, to me, like, that town just, to me, gave me, it just looked like a set, like, yeah, it looked like a know. back, a back, uh, a back lot. Do, yeah, do you guys... I, I get the same vibe from like the the town hall in Southgate. When I walk by it, to me, it just looks like oh, that's like a town hall <laughs> set, like that you would find at like Universal <laughs> Studios or something. Do, yeah. do you guys think 4K is partly to blame for things looking more like sets? Well, I mean, is like not like I obviously they're built you, the same way, but just but... we're used to like because it's high resolution, you can see through it. Like what I mean is, I I watched uh, the James Bond movie finally, No Time to Die. Um over Thanksgiving, and there's this huge set piece in Cuba, and it's really cool, but the entire time, like, that's not a street, that's a soundstage. Like, it was just so obvious for such a big-budget movie. I was like, well, maybe it was built the same, and maybe, you know, how it be about the sets are built a certain way as they were for anything else, but we just have higher resolutions and we can see through it more. Like, is that... Have you noticed that stuff in general, or am I just crazy? Mm, I don't know. I... I... I think even like in regular HD, maybe in, in in SD, I'd be able to tell like, oh yeah, that's probably a set. Mm, okay, fair, yeah. 
But but then again, maybe it's because like maybe back then I didn't see it. Nowadays, now that I'm older and know yeah, what the movie making process is, it's like, oh yeah, that's clearly a set. Even if I see something in SD, you know, I think it's just more obvious just because we know so much mm-hmm. about how TV shows and films are made that. That's a fair point. Yeah, we just been around the block. There was I guess this... it's not our our time to enjoy effective over. Now it's about making them. There was this uh, there's this tweet that was, that was going around about the scene in Spider-Man: Far From Home where Nick Fury talks to Tom Holland for the first time in that movie. Do you guys remember that scene? I know the scene. Yeah, I think. yeah, where he uh, sleep darts. Uh, he sleep darts. Nick Fury sleep darts. Uh, Ned. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Peter's friend. Mm-hmm. In uh, in like their hotel room. So apparently all of that was pretty much CG. Um and they were showing the tweet was pretty much showing on at the top the scene and then at the bottom what it actually looked like. And it was just, you know, Samuel Jackson in a chair and right behind him a green screen. And even the his gun in that uh uh in that scene was also CG, you know. And I remember just seeing That's nothing but crazy. like I remember seeing nothing but, uh, I, w- I don't want to say hate, but like a lot of people like disgusted by that. They're like, oh my Did God. Did it actually happen? <laughs> like it didn't. Yeah. Like <laughs> Nick Fury, like, is it real? You, like, can you imagine that like movies are made this way? And I'm willing to bet at least 98%. I'm willing to bet my life on it that at least 98% of people who were giving crap did not notice that all of that was CG. Oh, I'm you sure. Know? Yeah. Because I looked at I I rewatched the movie a couple of days ago and I was like, yeah, this you can sort of tell that Tom Holland and Samuel L. Jackson aren't on the same set because they keep cutting away from each other and they're never in the same scene. But aside from that, I would have been I'd be like, yeah, they're in that room specifically. And right. like how would you ever tell that uh, Samuel Jackson's gun was CG, unless somebody unless somebody paused the the frame and asked you, "What about this is CG?" An educated guess would be like, "Oh yeah, the background or the gun," you know. But like in the moment, I bet you all those people did not know that was CG. There's this. I feel like there's this sort of mentality nowadays, especially when it comes to the to the MCU and because they make so much money, uh, these movies, that like everything has to be practical. Like, no, if you can save some money, sure. And there is the only part that I will give them is that some of these CG houses are run like for lack of a better word, like sweatshops. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll give them that. For sure, but uh, like, don't say that. Uh, like, the uh, don't say that. Sort of like the film industry is like creatively bankrupt. You know, for little stuff that you're not, you're never gonna notice. How did I get on this conversation? It, oh, the set. Because uh, I asked about pra- uh, uh, yeah, but I was gonna say to to that point, it, I do feel bad. Never mind the obviously the sort of sweatshop style conditions of a lot of these CG houses, but also like, 
Imagine you're a new CG artist, you land your dream job, you're doing it for MCU or whatever, and then you get go home at Christmas and be like, guys, I worked on that movie, and they're like, oh, awesome, did you do the fight scene, did you do the fighter jet, did you do this, did you do that? No, I did a lampshade behind Nick Fury sitting on a chair. Like, it's just such a weird that CG's so, like, mundane now, in a way, that even those little things are CG. It's, 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 it's an interesting turning point. It kind of, I guess, goes back to the thing I was saying about Sky Captain World Tomorrow, where, like, they're like every movie's gonna be made like this, everything will be a green screen, and sure enough, Nick Fury on a chair, green screen. I still haven't seen The Mandalorian, but, uh... That one's interesting in how they do it. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the, that's, what um, is it, like a video wall, right? Yeah, so for those who, who don't know, essentially, uh, Industrial Lion uh, Magic, or whatever their name is, built this 360-degree super high-res video wall screen thing that's, uh, I guess, back-projected. So all the actors are on little sets inside this ring of screens, and the ring of screens, because they're so big and so high-res and so bright, um, create the lighting conditions of the environment. So it's not a green screen, it's an actual real-time video screen of what the planet's supposed to look like, you know, whether it's a desert or whatever, and then the way the light moves across that 360-degree screen allows it to look natural, quote-unquote, to uh, when they film it. So they can have them walking across a desert or riding a speed bike across a desert or something like that, and the screen will scroll and move and everything, but the bike or whatever could be stationary. And they obviously need to blow wind and whatnot, but still, like, it, it's basically, like, a hybrid of, like, practical and, you know, CG. Um, and it's, it, it's sort of noticeable in Mandalorian. Like, you can definitely see, like, oh, this lighting seems like, like, it, the, the, Mandalorian has, like, not a total fake look to it, but you can kinda tell. Um, but it's really interesting technology just that they're able to build these massive screens. Like, it's in a soundstage and actually not far from, uh, where my office is when I used to go into the office. Um, and yeah, it's just like, a, it's not even the biggest like studio space ever. It's just like a a tiny warehouse, relatively speaking. And they film like the majority of the show in there. And they just swap out what they need inside the ring. And then they put different stuff on the screen and go. And now they're starting to use that technology for other shows that aren't even like, you know, fantasy set. Like there's, I think, um, How I Met Your Father, the spinoff of How I Met Your Mother that's starring Hillary Duff and like people. It's coming to Hulu next year. Wait, they that's confirmed even, already? Huh. Oh yeah, it's in development. Um, they are using, I thought it got canned. No, it's, it's going. They just released promo photos like a month ago and they announced when they did that, that they're the first comedy to use this technology. So the show is set in New York, like the original, they filmed it here in LA. So all the exterior stuff they want to do in New York, like there's a shot on the Brooklyn bridge and whatnot. They're just using this Mandalorian technology to do it. So they'll be on the Brooklyn bridge, quote unquote, but they're just creating the lighting conditions of the bridge and using the screen. So it's going to become another new norm for filming, presumably, because, you know, if, if sitcoms are doing it now and using the, the Mando tech, then it's only a matter of time to like everyone does. So I'm thinking of How I Met Your Dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That spinoff. Okay. And yeah, that guy can't. But yeah, there's How I Met Your Father, which, you know, it's just another word for dad. So not at all confusing. Which also makes more sense than How I Met Your Dad. It does. Yeah. Considering How I Met Your Mother, not, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't yeah. called How I and, Met and, Your Mom. And that's why How I Met Your Dad was doomed to fail, because clearly they didn't understand the, the core of the show if they couldn't even get the name convention right. Yeah, exactly. So Hillary Duff yeah. is starring in this? Yeah, apparently. Man, I would have liked to see that uh, Lizzie McGuire sequel show. Oh, the Disney Plus one that she wanted to make more mature than Disney was willing to go? Yeah. Yeah, that would have like, been put a it on Carly situation kind of deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, like, our, iCarly on Paramount Plus, like, they drink beer and stuff in it. 
I think. And I imagine Hillary Duff wanted to at least do that level of like, look, we're adults now, we're gonna go out for drinks, we're gonna like do, and I think Disney was just like, nah, this is a kid show. So they part ways. Huh. Whack. Well. Yeah. Yeah, we got Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> yes, Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> uh, disappointing yeah, that we won't see. Get a break. Dis- disappointed yeah, no, that, we, that we won't see a, see more of this cast. It seemed like our our friends said it was like it, it was almost like doomed to fail from the beginning. It could have been super amazing. I think this probably. Well, you know what? Even if it was super amazing, that probably would have been the only thing to save it from cancellation because it just got. Just word on the street is just that it got canceled because like nobody liked it, which uh, I guess is a good enough reason to to cancel a show. Yeah. At this point, it's, even it's tricky because like I'm sure if the reviews were better and the fan reception was just strong, they'd be like, "Oh, maybe there's a shot at prestige show here." But the fans didn't like it. The reviews were mixed at best. So yeah, I guess what do you do with that? Yeah, how you guarantee that those 73 million people or whatever that watched the first. So a million hours or whatever will come back for season two if the fan reaction's so poor and the reviews are so like middle of the road, you know? Yeah. That's that's probably what happened. Well, there's uh man, my my saga with this show was has been I'm I'm still arguing with people on Twitter about it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's uh it's probably never gonna end with me. I just I just want, you know, shows that aren't being made for cynical reasons, even if they're live action adaptations of beloved stuff, so beloved properties. Uh, well, I just never liked One Piece from the beginning, but I hope the best for that show. You know, um, oh, One Piece is a little tougher because those those characters are like very very wacky. You know, Cowboy Bebop as as a as crazy as it is, it's always been like grounded, I guess, you know, as opposed to, yeah. to one piece where, you know, Luffy is literally like stretch Armstrong. Yeah. And I mean, like in Cowboy Bebop for, you know, a show that takes place in a futuristic setting for the most part, like they're kind of messing with a lot of mundane or old looking technology or even stuff that predates what we're used to. It's like, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like like I said th- this show I doubt was made just for the money uh, they ended up losing a lot of money as it turns out um or did they 73 million hours people are subscribed to Netflix to see it yeah but but we don't we also don't know that for sure people subscribe to you know yeah um but I mean like people didn't cancel their Netflixes over this I'm willing to bet that there is some subsection of fans that did. Oh God, like, I'm, right. I'm why, not supporting this. I, why, yeah, I why are, are, why are the worlds that we are in, like anime, video games and all that, why are the fans so not, like Law and Order is getting a reboot on NBC. Do you think a bunch of people are angrily on Twitter like, oh, this isn't the real Law and Order. It doesn't have what's his name in it. Like, no, like, why are we the way we are as like nerds? You've talked about <laughs> like, it a little what? bit. It's, it's like, it's like gatekeeping. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I have talked about it. Yeah, but, but I guess I mean, like, why do we have to gatekeep? Like, I understand there is the gatekeeping, but why? Why? There's like, no one does this for other shows. It's not like, it's not like there's a How I Met Your Mother fandom that's like, oh, we gotta send, uh, Hillary Duff angry I mean, Instagram comments because she's doing a spinoff. Like, who are we? Why do we gatekeep? <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope, uh, nothing but the best for the One Piece 
uh, live action. It, it seems like those people that are in charge of it so far look like they're doing it out of love uh, for the show. I know, well, I would hope that the showrunners for this one also, for Cowboy Bebop, also did it not out of cynicism. And, like, if if something's, you know, I, I talked about this on my rant last time. If something is done with good intentions, I don't mind if, like, if they ever come out with a, what's an anime that I love? Uh, I was going to say Mob Psycho, but that's Ooh. already been turned into live action. Something that has left Netflix. Action. What if Netflix did Mob Psycho, though? Princess Kong? Because it was, uh, wasn't it a Kaguya? Japanese live Kaguya action? Yeah, Kaguya-sama. That already has live action. Uh, adaptation but like let's say it didn't if they came out with a live action adaptation that was made because the creators wanted just to well that one was straight up i believe a a a one for one for one like adaptation as a as opposed to this where you know they sort of like remixed or truncated storylines together you know um yeah I don't know. If it's not done out of just because like they want money, the the way that Hollywood has been doing stuff like for years now, then like I have no issue with it. Uh but alas, that was uh that was the end that we will see of uh Space Cowboys with Cowboy Bebop. Are you saying shame. are you saying see you later, Space Cowboy? See you Space Cowboy. Close. Or I added a word. Man, I was so close. Close. I had the delivery down and I added a word like a chump. Yeah. Like, are are we surprised, though? No, hopefully not. <laughs> Jason, what else have you been watching? Uh, Well, if we want to keep the space thing going, uh, sure. I saw Dune, finally. Dune, um, big worm. Yeah, I saw it in IMAX. They brought it back. Gothy Star Wars? So I keep thinking uh, this. In a way. I believe my review of Dune was, it's Star Wars, but good. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it well, I so I guess you liked it then, huh? Uh, I liked it. I if I were to rate it, I'd probably give it like a uh, or like an eight out of ten. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting. Yeah, it's um. So I I I was fortunate enough to see it. So it left IMAX pretty quickly because Eternals came out, and I didn't get a chance to see it in IMAX. But I knew that like everyone's like, oh, you gotta see it in IMAX. So then, by sheer circumstance, I happened to decide on a random Sunday, I'm going to go see it, and I happened to be when they brought it back to IMAX briefly. So I actually saw it at the Chinese uh, theater in Hollywood. Hey, a big old, Oh, nice. Yeah, big old IMAX screen. Great sound system. Um, I think I was actually more impressed with the sound than the visuals. Like, the sound system was that good. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was cool. It was an interesting experience. It um. I feel like if you don't know going in, it's part one of two. You're going to be super bummed because it just, like, stops. Like, it literally just stops. Well, so um, right right at the top when it when it uh, shows the title, it literally right there says part one. Yeah, no, I mean if you, like, went in off the marketing, it only just says Oh, yeah, like, yeah, I knew yeah. The marketing never said that was part one. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And not only that, but they didn't even confirm part two until a week after part one was released. So Which that was kind of interesting. Because, uh... Yeah, it's that such guy's a movies, Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah, his uh, his movies have uh, not done the best at the box office. Well, I think it, it was literally just one. I think it was a uh, Blade Runner did not do great at the box nine. office in the yeah, but it did well enough to still spin off an anime that's happening on Adult Swim among other stuff. So mm. yeah, um, true. But yeah, he and his and that's what was interesting about it is his like signature was all over the movie. Like before I get into the movie itself, like. There were shots there that was like, 
oh yeah, this kind of looks like Blade Runner. There's shots there. Where I'm like, okay, I see the like arrival influence. There's shots there where like oh, yeah, he goes far back. Is like, Angel, did you what? Did you see this? Ah, uh, no, I did not. Gotcha. Man, it's 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 a really cool movie just to watch. But yeah, even like shots that are like when they had the ships flying over the sand and they're like different shapes in the sand. I'm like, oh, this is like in Sicario or whatever, where he had those shots of like the helicopters flying over like the Mexican towns and stuff, and you saw just like little patterns of houses. Like it was, there were so many things. I was like, that's him doing this, that's him doing that, and I really like his style, so that was really cool. Like even the um, there were some shots with like you know like haze and stuff, and he basically swapped out the bright colors of Blade Runner for like the beiges and grays and whatnot of like the desert so you could see like it's almost like a desaturated blade runner at times it was it was really cool um story wise story wise it takes a little I, did you feel kind of took a little bit to get going kevin like once it goes it goes but there's definitely like a lot at the beginning where it's like wait what wait what and then like 20 minutes in it starts to maybe 30 40 minutes and it starts to kind of click a little uh it me personally i felt like it started off pretty slow and then yeah. the middle went back crazy mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. at the end it slowed down again you know yeah yeah I, I i agree um but yeah definitely that first slow part especially because they're they're doing the world building like this movie is basically the world world building for the second movie i feel like yeah absolutely like so uh, much I mean, like yeah it is. so there's not like a big like there's some action there's some big like set pieces there's some really cool shots in imax during some of the big set pieces where like I've seen comparison photos after, like, here's what it looked like on normal screen. Here's what it looked like here. It's like, wow, you, like, missed out, like, on half of the, like, visuals of, you know, ships flying in and, and troops and stuff. And But, um, yeah, so, like, that initial 40-ish minutes, you're just like, I, it's such thick world building. It's like, because they kind of just drop you in and then slowly do exposition, uh, exposition, right? Like, through little pieces of dialogue here and there versus kind of laying it out up front, like something like Star Wars would do with its crawl or whatever. So it does take a little while to kind of understand. And then, yeah, it really just goes crazy for a while. And then it kind of pulls back a bit uh, and then it stops. So so in terms of like the arc of like a normal movie, it does like kind of have the like climax and the come down sort of. But the come down is really just the build up to a bigger climax. So it's almost hard to rate how the movie is by itself because I kind of see part two. But it sets the stage extremely nicely for what will probably be a very good part two based on part one, if that makes sense. At least in my opinion. No, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, yeah, Timothy Chalamet, um, I think, is pretty good in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's Oscar, a who's Oscar who. Is, I love Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic in this movie. There's a. I had never seen the original. Uh, was it? It wasn't Cronenberg, was it? Um, Fincher. David Lynch. David Lynch. Or Lynch, not Fincher. I got the David I, part right. <laughs> yeah, I, I never, I never saw the original David Lynch movie, and I never Man. even attempted to read the book, which is a book book. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I like looking at a trailer here now. And then I thought that Oscar Isaac was just going to play the, the jerk dad. To my surprise, probably the coolest dad in movies that I've ever seen. There's a part. Uh, where some people are on a spice miner, like a like a just some sort of big ship, and they're mm-hmm. about to get, I guess, eaten by the uh, the big worm. Which I love that big worm. Uh, the big worm's great. That, yeah, the big the, worm when they great. show its mouth the first time, it's like whoa. Especially yeah. in IMAX, it's like whoa. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
there's a part where there Timothy Chalamet's character says something along the lines of like we don't we do not have enough space to save them and then uh, Oscar Isaac says we will find a way. I was like hell yeah you will Oscar Isaac you you're good. <laughs> like Oscar Oscar Isaac's fantastic. Everybody else I did did a great job as well. Like Dave Batista was uh he was subdued and he's I feel only like he's going to be a bigger part in part 2, right? Yeah, like, cuz he's only yeah. in the movie for like a total of like 6 minutes of screen time, which to be fair is four more than Zendaya who's just like in like visions until the very end. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then at the end she shows up. She's uh, in everything right now by the way. She's really having a moment. Good for her. It's like she knew she would have a moment. She's like, I'm going to give myself a single name. I'm just going to be Zendaya. I'm not going to have a last name. And I'm going to become a star. And she's in, like, everything since doing that. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, man, no way home. Uh, that's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be something. It's, it's going to be something. I don't know if it's going to be great. I don't even know if it's going to be good. But uh, Do you fear it's going to be overstuffed? Uh, Is that the concern? That they're going to try too much and it's just going to be like, look at this guy. Look at that guy. Type of thing. I think it's just not going to make sense narratively. Mm. Right. Like, if you look at the trailers, it's like, how do you connect all those scenes together? It just, I guess. Yes, overstuffed, essentially, yeah. Like yeah, maybe. Too much I guess you could yeah. just, like, like Face shoo that writers. away by just being like, oh, Doctor Strange, multiverse. Like, oh, that's kind of weak, but whatever. Right, right. That Spider-Verse sequel, though. Oh, man, that trailer. When it go, when it shifts to 2D for a bit there, whew. Oh, yeah, I, that's, that's going to be fantastic. And that's also that a two-parter. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another two-parter. Like Dune. That's right. But, yeah, um, like one Dune. thing we should probably clarify with Dune for those who haven't seen it is what, what all the spice stuff was about. So um, that was something I actually thought was kind of interesting with Dune. It, and maybe it's because the source material is a little older. I think the book's from the 60s. But, like, there's a couple, like, tracks of the story that are pretty much allegories for real life. There's, like, a religion thing. There's a essentially oil in the Middle East. But here it's, like, this magical spice that powers all the – rocket engines i guess and industrialization and whatnot and just the way that this movie sort of intertwines the two it's very much it feels like an allegory for us in the middle east and going for the oil and dealing with like the the population there and being like the kind of the outside westerners that are trying to you know sort of grab and go like they, they straight up talk about how like this this empire is basically taking them for the resources taking the resources and leaving them like the husk of the planet and all these people there are this religion that believe in kind of the coming of a messiah and it's very much some sort of like without actually saying it's like some muslim christian hybrid of a religion and and yeah it's just i think because so many movies have touched on these things since and it's become such a regular you know like Bowstar looked at like the iraq war and stuff like that like it seems that part almost felt like it was like almost too on the nose but uh, it was interesting to see them build up the religion side and build up kind of the spice side and how that all intertwines with the people and how some people trust these these uh Timothy Chalamet's family essentially and some people Oscar Isaac you know being the leader and some people not trust them and just kind of dynamic it remind me a lot of like uh I know it was written in the 60s but it remind me a lot of like um the, the 2000s like the US and the Middle East in the 2000s and how sci-fi leaned heavily on that like with Battlestar like I was saying so that that kind of parallel was was interesting to see sort of a tangent from what we were just talking about but I just wanted to throw that in there real quick yeah for sure yeah, but it's uh, good. Is, it's uh, good. Yeah, hmm. Dune. Uh, excited for part two. We'll definitely see that on IMAX when that comes out. I'm assuming oh, yeah, you're going to go ahead the first round of IMAX. You're probably going to try and watch that? Yeah, no, I'm going to go right back to the same theater even. 
Like I can't even do like, you know, like AMC IMAX. I need that screen and that sound system. Cause like, man, that sound system. I mean, when they start playing the trailers, I, I went with my dad and, and we both like, when they start playing trailers, looked at each other like, Oh my God, the sound mixing so loud. But then when the movie had its proper mix and it was actually like the movie, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I can't. The only other movie I've ever seen in that theater is Interstellar, which also was really heavy on, um, sound design. And yeah, it's, I feel like Dune deserves that specific theater a hundred percent. So yes, I'll be seeing it in IMAX there eventually. You, Angel, you saw Godzilla there, right? In IMAX? I don't think it was IMAX. At the, um, have you ever been to the Chinese theater, the TCL? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw the Chinese sequel. Uh, yeah, I saw King of the Monsters oh, in King the, of the Chinese Monsters. theater. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not Godzilla vs. Kong. But I've yeah, seen I a bunch of movies there. Uh, I think, like, Age of Ultron was the first time that I ever went there, unfortunately. Then huh. <laughs> I saw... Uh, what? What? No, I did not see Age of Ultron there. The fir- I think the first movie that I ever saw there was uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, that's a good that's theater a for that. That's a great movie to, to oh, man. watch in IMAX. Uh, then I think I saw Civil War there. I had seen something prior to watching Dune there. I can't put my... Oh, I saw Endgame there, which that was mm. definitely an experience. Oh, yeah. In, I Like an IMAX with like all everybody in there. I am envious of my future self. That I'm never going to get to go to a movie that has quite the experience of Endgame on opening night. Like maybe would, Spider-Man comes close, Spider-Man, maybe, yeah. but I unfortunately won't be able to see it on opening weekend. Um, so I'll be traveling that weekend, uh, assuming COVID doesn't mess things up. But, um, yeah, no, like that experience, like I'm, I'm, I look forward to everyone having that experience with Spider-Man if they can, but that experience with Endgame, I, I, it was like 11 years culminated in that one moment. It was so special. I don't know how very scary, like yeah. I, I have never had experience like that in a movie theater and I don't think I ever will. It was great. Yeah, I'm. I'm not yeah. seeing uh, No Way Home at the TCL, which I'm a little bummed about. But uh, that's because the person that I'm going with specifically requested that. Like, he's like, "Oh man, I'm not going to be able to take everybody clapping and cheering and stuff like that." I'm like, "All right, fine. We'll watch <laughs> it just like regular AMC IMAX." Oh, people are still going to clap and cheer at AMC. It'll just be oh, a smaller yeah, group yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we saw. I saw in game with Angel, and I think we saw it at like a dining theater that wasn't even that big, but still just. Not even the crowd reaction, but also just the move, the first time, you know, the, the, they all, the Avengers assemble and everything. It just was like, yeah, it was, it was something. Yeah. Uh, what else is on here? What is Inside Job? Whose is that? That is Angel. That's mine. And Inside Job is another Netflix exclusive show. It is about the. Aren't they all nowadays? Yeah, right. Um,. I mean, I guess the premise for this show is that every conspiracy theory you've ever heard is actually basically true, because everything you've ever potentially oh, heard of has God, been really? tightly controlled by the government. <laughs> uh, are so we talking much... like real life conspiracy theories or like made up conspiracy theories for the show? Both. Oh Jesus. Many... So, like, and, in this, and to be so clear, this, this is an animated like, show, right? In which these conspiracy, this world, they are real, right? No, yeah, it, it's before, animated. Before we go down a tangent of is Netflix endorsing the moon landing being fake or the deep state or whatever? <laughs> yeah, so in this one, like, the moon landing is fake, and it was filmed by like um, Stanley Kubrick, and you know, like lizard people are real, and that whole th- <laughs> that whole spiel. 
Okay. So like, so if so that, so that kind of premise, and it follows um a character named Reagan, and she is like a scientist, and she's pretty much working her way to try to run this deep state facility, and just kind of runs into all sorts of trouble. She has like a colorful cast of sidekick characters, and I did not think I was gonna enjoy the show. Like, first impression was like. Oh, it looks like it's trying to capture that Rick and Morty audience. Even the art style looks almost identical, with the exception of having actual round pupils instead of the little squiggly lines that, or splats that Rick and Morty has. But I think after an episode or two, it actually started to, I guess, just really grow on me. And I thought the stories were, or like the episodes were interesting. There were some good jokes in there. They actually made a reference to King K. Rule. I never thought I would ever see anything directly reference King K. Rule, let alone Smash Brothers by name. And yeah, before I knew it, like I finished the show. It's just a really easy to binge show as well. But then I recommended it to my brother as well, who in the beginning also kind of had the same, I guess, feelings about it. But he also ended up finishing it and enjoying it as well. So yeah, it's a it's a good show. Um. The cast, or at least, like, I feel like the main character and, like, the main sidekick character, um, I forget what his name is. I know Jason has told me his name many times. Long-haired dude, glasses, came out of the office. Clark that Duke. Guy. Yeah, Clark oh, Duke. Clark Duke. Clark Duke. It took me, Clark when he Duke. first was trying to describe him to me, like, weeks ago, I could not, for the life of me, figure out who he's talking about, but he means Clark Duke. Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, yeah, he was in that. As I uh, told you weeks ago, and you had the same reaction. <laughs> oh, yeah, he told me that. Oh, yeah, uh, that was a thing. Yeah, and I thought, like, the Clark Duke character was going to be very one-note, very annoying, but, I don't know, he ended up being uh, one of the funnier characters as well. But a lot of the others, they're okay. Like, they're not bad. Maybe, I don't know, there's one that I don't really find that funny, but, like, it definitely feels like they're trying hard to, like, build this, like, ensemble of memorable characters, but... Yeah, the secondary characters are... Unfortunately, they kind of just stay in that secondary zone. I don't think I ever really got to really love any of them. Except for, like, you know, like I said, the second... The main secondary character. But, yeah, also goes in places you don't really expect. Interesting concepts. I mean, I guess I can say, like, if you're a fan of Rick and Morty, then you'll probably find something to enjoy in this because they are kind of cut from the same cloth, but they're definitely not the same show. Like, the cynicism is directed in a different direction in this show. But, yeah. I mean, that's deep. That's inside job. I was going to call it Deep State. But, yeah. It's 30 the minute Deep episodes State, each. Not, I think it's only like 10 episodes. And they're each, yeah, like under 30 minutes. So, yeah, really easy show to binge. Nice. Jason. Yes. Talk about yes, Eternals real quick. Sure. You know, Eternals is interesting because... Um, we had a pause there from Dune with, with Inside Job, but Eternals is like the Marvel version of Dune in a weird way. Or not the Marvel version, I take that back, but it's also like, it's in outer space, it kind of deals with religion a little, or at least the idea of these gods among men, um, celestials. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because Dune, like, you know, we were talking about, oh yeah, it's two parts and it has this pacing and, um, you know, you need to see part two, part one. Eternals, on the other hand, while kind of dealing in some similar themes, just try to cram it all in. So it's a long movie. It's like nearly three hours, I think. And there's essentially 11 characters they introduced to the MCU through it. And 
it was better than I thought it would be. Like, reviews were like, oh, this is like the worst Marvel movie. I wouldn't say that. It's, I enjoyed it, but I don't understand why they didn't do this as a Disney Plus, um, limited series. Cause they, the, the way the movie's literally structured is they kind of do these little, like, almost not vignettes, but like pieces about each character. So there's like one or two that are the main characters, chapters. but then they like, uh, yeah, they're kind of like chapters. Yeah. And they're, and you know, there's one or two characters that are like the main character and then they cut away to these backstories of the other characters as they introduce them, which is again, kind of, you know, a, a cool way to do it, but also the perfect way to divide something into episodes. So what they could have done, and I don't know why they didn't, is like turn this into like a, you know, Zack Snyder Justice League or like a, a, a six part like Falcon Wear Soldier deal or something, or even Hawkeye. Like Hawkeye feels like so far, I don't know if you're watching it coming, but Hawkeye right now feels like a movie sliced up. Like all the cliffhangers feel like they're just like cutting to the next scene essentially. I don't know why they didn't do that with Eternals because I think there's a lot of interesting backstory here. There's they are introducing all these characters who are somewhat critical to what's coming next in like Phase Four. Like they're saying up, you know, the multiverse is one side of it. This is the other side of it. It seems like the big bad, like their big boss in this, might be a big bad for MCU as a whole. Like a lot of stuff is in motion. It's just weird that they sort of rushed through it in the movie where they could have just paced it a little better if they did as a limited series. Um, but the ideas are interesting. It's cool that it's um kind of a new thing for Marvel. Like something I've really enjoyed with uh, with Phase Four. While it feels more scattershot at the moment, it doesn't feel as focused. That's because they are doing different things. They got the multiverse going on. They got like Shang Chi with all the um Chinese mythology going on. They now have this, which is kind of like this otherworldly space thing and time travel, or not really time travel, but these guys have been around for as long as time and kind of the dynamic of like these sort of space gods versus, like, the, you know, the Valhalla and, like, mythology there and the Norse mythology that Marvel's had up to this point in the movies. So there's, like, a lot of different directions they're going in. It just felt like this one, maybe they rushed a little into just to, like, get the ball rolling. And they have TV shows now, so just do it that way. Like, I I don't know. That's the only thing holding it back. But I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, Because, you know, going in... I see every Marvel movie, just to be clear. Every single one. Like, I'm I'm invested. It's past point of return. I have to. So going into it, I was like, I'm seeing it because I know I need to. I came out of it being pleasantly surprised. Um, but yeah, the pacing's a little, little wacky. And then the credit stinger. I won't reveal the spoiler, but. Yeah, just tell us after, uh, we stop recording. Yeah, that was, for anyone who, um, maybe sees it or has seen it, you'll, you'll know what I mean when I say it. that was totally out of left field. Not so much what it was, but who it was. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> just be surprised like that's the thing people were talking about the most i feel like after the movie was him so that's all i'll say but yeah it's it's if you're investing in mcu it's gonna be crucial uh no i think he was real okay he was a real because boy. they because I, I i haven't seen eternals but i have you know the spoiler s- yeah I, I do know the spoiler yeah i just didn't know in what capacity he was in it uh i didn't know if oh, he was like a cg it. character because He's related nope, to essentially yes. a CG character. He uh is at least in the comics. I don't know what they're doing here in the in the MCU. No, he he uh they the relation's still there. Um we don't know what that means in terms of what do this character will be or what it'll it? do. Yep. Okay. Um, I think they outright say it, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember if they outright said it or if I Googled it right after I'm like, oh, but I'm pretty sure they outright say it. Um but just the 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 really it's just the casting choices what I'm getting at is <laughs> yeah, like people in the theater, even though we saw it like four weeks after it came out, people in the theater were like, what? Out loud. 
So, yeah, it will, uh, yeah, it's something. Uh, but the movie, yeah, if, if you're invested in the MCU, like, it's not as bad as people say. You've probably seen it by now, honestly, if you're invested in the MCU. Um, but yeah, I think pacing-wise, it could just be a little different. But besides that, yeah, it's, it's fun. That was my kind of four-minute review. I think it I hit all the notes. the worst-rated movie. See, that's unfair, MCU I think. Movie. I I Do you think agree with that? Thor Dark World is probably – the second Thor is probably more ho-hum. I think what this one does, again, kind of boils down to pace. It does try and be a little too, like, emotional. Like, It has the first, like, sex scene in a Marvel movie kind of, and it's just kind of awkward because, like, Marvel doesn't do that. Like, there's a lot of it trying to be, like, heady and bigger than it is, and I think it all honestly just boiled down to pacing because I think if they, like, parsed it out – like, what, there's the example I'm looking for. If they did it, like, Watchmen – on HBO. Like if they parsed it out over those episodes and just kind of let it go at its speed, the, the, the like emotional hits they were going for, like, oh look, a sex scene, or oh look, this is happening, would have felt a lot more organic because they would have had time to build it, build it up versus feeling kind of shoehorned in. And I think that awkwardness of it being shoehorned in is why it got reviewed as it did. Like I think conceptually everything there works. It just, it, it is just like they're speed running through like the checklist of what they need to hit. And gotcha, yet, gotcha. even when doing that, here's the weird thing. They're speed running through the checklist, but even when doing that, the movie's still three hours and still feels three hours. Like, it's just the pacing's just all over the place. But the ideas and the characters and stuff are there at the core. It's just they really messed with the pacing. And it's like, it's too slow, but it's too short at the same time. Like, I don't know. It's, it's strange in that regard. So I could see why it reviewed how it did. But I think, I think there's more in there than people are giving it credit for. I just wish Disney saw that and gave it the proper screen time to do it. Elsewhere, not in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, comes out next month on Disney Plus. Apparently, oh, is it? Yeah, oh yeah, I think it's like January twelfth. They so, yeah, um, they they just announced it. Yeah, and maybe I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe just because I like the ideas of it, I'm like, oh, they could have just done this differently and it would have been fine. And as is, it's okay. But I'm sure some folks will go in and be like, oh, this was all stupid. But I thought the ideas were interesting, so they just should have positioned it differently. Uh, there's another question that I was going to ask about this movie for you. I don't remember. I, I still haven't seen uh, this or Black Widow from the Phase 4 movies. Still only seen the Shang-Chi. Are you watching Hawkeye? Oh, of course. You Are you caught up? I am caught up. So, without spoiling too much, the latest episode has a tie into Black Widow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that, yeah. Okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm yeah. just going to make sure like you knew that context, yeah. And that's what's interesting. And again, why I don't understand why Eternals was a movie and not a show is they're all crisscross anyway now. Like, the movies and the shows are basically on equal footing now. So, like, there was no reason this had to be a movie. Like, if this was during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. era, sure, I get that. But, like, there was no reason they had to do it like this. Disney. Oh, Disney. Disney. Oh, man, this, yeah. <laughs> this corporation. This, are they a yeah. conglomerate? Would you? Yeah, they're a conglomerate the right for word? sure. Yeah, conglomerate, yeah. Oh man, I will Jason, say for you all know this... what I just realized. Speaking huh. of conglomerates, tomorrow, the season finale of Succession. It's the finale tomorrow? Or today yeah. when people listen to this? Oh no, I yes, was ready today. for like weeks more. How are we not talking about Succession, Kevin? Oh, How did man. we not? Well, we, for an we hour and a half. About it. We will talk about it next. Uh, yeah, at least after the. the yeah, next uh, really quickly, Succession. We'll touch on it. Probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And that just might same. be the recency bias, but such a fantastic show. It's really good. It's, it's, we'll go deeper into it and probably do spoilers when we talk about it on whenever our next Arnon is. But in a nutshell, it's the power dynamics of Game of Thrones, 
but in a more contemporary, businessy, cutthroat, all these people are awful setting. Oh, it's so, so it's good. good. It's so good. I also I've like started. It? Oh, I don't know. Um, I feel like some of it. It's so like businessy in its lingo that I don't know if it would like click. Is it animated? But, no, it is not animated. <laughs> it's not animated. It's not based on anime. It's um, it is about conspiracy theories sometime or how they might leverage them for their advantage. But so if you like Inside Job, there's no connection besides that. I don't even know why I referenced it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it the thing with Succession for those who maybe are interested after a little tease here is it's slow in the first season. It takes about three or four episodes till it like clicks, but then once it clicks. It go and season three has just been nonstop, like every single episode. There's like no filler. It's just, yeah, it's it's very good. Yeah, we will uh, we will get into the nitty gritty of uh, Succession. Yes. at some point, whenever think... whenever we uh, reconvene to do another random Nintendo. The only passing or final thought I have on Succession is pay attention. I don't know if you noticed this, Kevin, that uh, characters all go uh huh a lot, and over the course of the series, you can actually kind of map where the uh-huh originates and which characters pick up on it and which start using it more based on, like, the family dynamic. Wait, really? Because, like, season one, only the dad does it. By season, like, three, like, all the kids do it, too. Oh. Yeah. I've started doing it sometimes. Like, you know, that kind of sarcastic, like, uh-huh. Like, they're not really listening. Like, sure, whatever. Kind of, uh-huh. Yeah, they do it a lot. Okay. Well, so. I, I did start re-watching it from the, from the beginning just because, man, what, what a show. Mm-hmm. Who knew that I would care this much who knew that I would be rooting for just these terrible people? I know. It's like they're all awful, episode, but you want them all to succeed. I want them all to succeed, but they're all all garbage human beings. Oh, they totally are. With the exception of, like, Greg, maybe? Even Greg this season, but though, is, Greg, like, kind of... He's yeah, getting he a little, like, sucks. big for his britches. Yeah. 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 Uh, man, Succession, what a show. Ah, oh, such a uh, good show. Yeah. Anyone listening to this on um, the day that the finale comes out, if it's on if it's on HBO Max, it comes out at six PM Pacific. If you're listening to this after six PM Pacific on a on Sunday, the what what's tomorrow the twelfth? The twelfth. If you're still listening to this, I stop now and go watch Success. Like we're not worthy of the time over Succession, honestly. Yeah, I, I, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Not even close to worthy of the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really quickly before we uh before we head out, uh, I want to talk about this game that I've been playing, uh, Scarlet Nexus. Uh, sort of a apparently like a sleeper hit RPG of the year. Uh, it was nominated for the Game Award, did not win. Sounds like something t- that well, with the tech YouTubers like Scarlet Nexus, subscribe now. Uh, <laughs> Ring that bell, Scarlet Nexus. Definitely, definitely has an edgelord name for sure. Yeah, uh, it's Bandai. Yeah, it's right? an anime role playing game, so right up my alley. I've been sort of searching for a real time. Uh, like action RPG, similar in the vein of like Kingdom Hearts or like Final Fantasy VII Remake for like a bit now. Sort of like a a, a hack and slash game. Uh, I was thinking about going with Devil May Cry 5 because I really like those games, but I just ne- it just never caught my attention. But I saw that this was on Game Pass and it's like on the it's on the Xbox version of Game Pass, on the PC version of Game Pass. It's part of the cloud version of Game Pass. So I was like, you know what? I'll I'll try this out. And uh, so far, really, really enjoying it. I'm going to be honest, no idea what the story for this game is because I've been skipping the cutscenes. Uh, <laughs> but from what I gather, you play generic anime protagonist 
battling monsters that show up in this sort of, I think it's a post-apocalyptic world. I cannot tell. Uh, but you are in like this, uh, I don't know, this, uh, this Japanese looking city, uh, that is filled with people. And I, I don't know, it, you're part of like some sort of army. No idea what's going on. There is an anime for this that I will probably try and like watch just to see what exactly the story is. But even then, I don't know if that's necessarily like the same cast of characters that are in this game. Um, what I do know about is the gameplay, and the gameplay is actually super, super fun. So you have like your standard attack, which is like your basic three-hit combo. And then you could also launch enemies into the air, do an air combo there. You have like a uh, a harder-hitting attack. You, you've got like your dodge, your... Uh, your uh, dodge roll, that kind of thing. Where some of the depth comes in is that you have telekinesis. And whenever you're in a fight, you're pretty much surrounded by a bunch of items, whether it be like a uh, a huge lead pipe or uh, a crate, or I think even like cars every now and then that you can just grab and throw at, like, at your enemy seamlessly in the middle of your combo. Um, and you do have to manage like your telekinesis bar. And you pretty much just regain it just by attacking enemies. So you're in this constant loop of like attack enemy, throw an item at them, uh, keep attacking them to refill that bar, throw another item, that kind of thing. It's just this really, really satisfying loop, this uh, core gameplay loop that's really fun. And then every single time that an enemy gets hit, it does that thing that I love that video games do where like it'll slightly zoom in. And like freeze frame for a second, just so like so you really feel that impact of the hit, which is uh, oh, I, I love games so that satisfying. do little satisfying stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like the be- you feel so badass when games do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, aside from that, you also have like um, abilities that you share with your party members. So the way that the game's been structured so far is you don't choose your party members whenever you go on a brand new mission. Uh, this is not an open world game. There, it's sort of like a a connection of hope worlds. Um, but whenever you go on a brand new mission, you have usually a new cast of party members, I, who are like your teammates. Um, and they all bring unique abilities into the game. Uh, so one one team member, for instance, she will link you up with fire abilities. Uh that you just activate. I think it's like the right bumper and then one of the face buttons. But basically what it'll do is like, oh, all your attacks are now covered in fire. And so if there are enemies who like uh, are covered in oil, well, really easily, you know, take them out, link up with your partner, use their fire abilities to do more damage. You know, it's, it's little stuff like that. There will be some enemies that are like covered in water. So there will be a partner that you have that has lightning ability. So, okay, just link up with that partner so that you can uh, you can do more damage to the people covered in water. Uh, there'll be, like, a party member that you have that can let you turn invisible. That way that you get, like, the jump on uh, enemies before you enter a, uh, a combat scenario. So, right now, there's been a lot of variety. I've only been playing the game for about, like, four hours uh, and I've been playing it mainly on PC. I tried out Xbox's uh, cloud gaming stuff because 
now you don't necessarily have to if you have game pass you don't necessarily have to download the entire game you could just play it in the cloud uh and that's worked I, i'm sure i'll get into the nitty-gritty of exactly cloud gaming at some point uh whether it be here on arnon or maybe ren nintendo just to but it works well enough on the xbox it doesn't look great it doesn't look like a native game uh and I have I have really, really good internet. Not nearly as good as uh, Angel's internet, which, Jesus Christ, when Elvis showed me how fast your internet was. I thought I had pretty good internet than I saw your guys's. But, like, my Xbox is right next to the router, so I'm not sure why why the game doesn't look as great as I think they make it out that it should be, uh, Microsoft and Xbox. Uh, and I played a little bit on my phone, which I just got this, uh, this like little controller that attaches to the ends of the uh, phone, so it kind of looks like a switch now. Um, and mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about that at some point as well. It's called I the backbone. Got it for Black Friday. I think I know you're talking about though. Yeah, they were they were a pretty good deal on Black Friday, weren't they? Yeah, and uh, that came with a uh, three months of Game Pass too. So I know one of our buddies was trying to see if uh, it was worth it. The the cloud stuff. Um. But aside from that, back to Scarlet Nexus, the only the only issue that I have with this game is that I don't think that I'm going to finish it, mainly because Final Fantasy VII Remake releases on PC next week. And I've just been dying to replay that, and especially replay that at in uh, 60 frames. But uh, that's the only knock that I have against Scarlet Nexus right now, just that it, it the gameplay is incredibly fun, but it just does not hold a candle to... Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake's uh, gameplay. At least in my so it's eyes. An, it's an appetizer before the main course, essentially. Yeah. And, uh, man, Angel, you gotta you gotta play Final Fantasy VII Remake. I already I mean, spoiled I the game for you because guys, of PlayStation right? Plus. But, yeah, I think you have. But that doesn't ruin it for me. I definitely do plan on playing it one day. Yeah. Super, super fun. The only... Final Fantasy VII Remake, apparently the first PC game, uh... To release for seventy dollars, they've really? all they've all stayed at sixty dollars. Are they just buying it with games the and Xbox One games? I think are seventy now. Yeah, they're like they're like fluctuating depending on the poetry. But are they justifying it being seventy on PC? Because they're at, is there any extra content over the PlayStation version or? Yeah, so the PlayStation Five version of uh, of Final Fantasy VII Remake had this sort of DLC chapter. Uh, for one of the characters that you eventually meet in Final Fantasy VII, this sort of like a prologue to her mm-hmm. introduction to the game. So they're adding that into this mix. Oh, uh, I see. I, so they're just baking in the DLC and the price. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, also, an Epic Games exclusive, an Epic Game Store exclusive. I know a lot of people have issue with that. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm part of the problem. But like I said, I don't really care. I, I love that game. And uh, I will support that game. Not necessarily the business practice around it, but I will uh, I will play the crap out of some Final Fantasy VII Remake no matter how I can. And I don't have a PS4 anymore, or a uh, PS5 for that matter. So if this is the best way that I can do it, I'm not going to pirate it. I will just pay for it and enjoy when? my time with it. When did you get rid of all your PlayStations? My PlayStation 4 I gave to my cousins in Mexico. And my oh, PlayStation okay. Five, I sold it to a coworker for MSRP. I might add. 
I did not scalp it. I did sell it for the price that I got it for. And it was arguably it had depreciated value because you played it, so you still got a little no I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so funny enough, I sold it to a coworker of mine. His name is also Kevin Gomez. And he specifically wanted it for his son, who shares the same birthday as me. So it's like it never left. You just don't have access to it. <laughs> yeah, sure, let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, as far as Sony knows, it's still in the hands of someone with your birthday. It's the, yeah, it's still in the <laughs> exactly. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, kind of. It more or less the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and unless you guys got anything else, I think that'll do it for this random Nintendo. I think that's it. We really marathon through oh, a lot yeah. to make up for our missing, missing uh, episodes. If you yeah. Will. Uh, yeah. So if you skip the intro, just know. Don't expect a random Nintendo every other week. Every uh, non-Ardenin week. Wow, that's a confusing Every non-Nintendo week. Nintendo. Every non-Nintendo week. Yeah, every non-Nintendo week. Don't expect a uh, brand new Arnon. We are trying to get ahead by trying to schedule, by trying to see if we can uh, do this ahead of time. We'll see how that works out. We it might definitely not. need to do one. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, scheduling allows because we got we gotta go deep on succession and bore Angel to death. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You remember yes. when we talked about uh, Last of Us for an hour? We we're gonna talk about Succession for an hour. Jesus, that show. And I was Guess on I'll the have to watch it. And I was on the other end of that conversation where I didn't play Last of Us, so I was just sitting there for an hour. That, exactly. by the way, is our single longest episode of anything we've ever done. I think. Because you got, we did a full two hours of R9, and then you're like, let's talk about Last of Us. And then at the three hour mark, I'm like, oh, we're still going. <laughs> or something like that. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode. Let us know what you thought by dropping a comment on the blog post. You're already listening to us on some sort of streaming service. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We collectively are at Random Nintendo. Individually, Jason is at JSR7. Angel is at Wero underscore O. Uh, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. I'm Kevin Gomi. Next week, we will have a brand new random Nintendo podcast where I'm not sure. Oh, I'm going to be talking about uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5 a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else we're going to be talking about. Uh, I would go, I was I was all set to say the Game Awards, and then Nintendo oh, was Awards. like a no-show. That's right. So uh, we will, Nintendo but not did, at the depth. There, dep- oh. there was a game announced. There were, there were a few there were games three. announced for there Switch. There were three for Switch. Two from Sega, which is interesting. Sega stepped up. Um, but also, now that I think about it, given what time of year it is, we probably have our own Game of the Year awards to do as well. I think that would be that Oh, episode. yeah. So, so it will be an award-winning episode. Just We won't be winning awards. We'll be giving awards to be won. But it'll be an award-winning episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we will see if we can do the quarantinis. <laughs> Yes. Uh, oh, year. yeah. So that, I guess we do need to record one more before the end of the year of Arnon. Yeah. We'll 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 see what's up. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll keep your fingers crossed, listeners. And if it's not there, it's not our fault. Except, I mean, it is, but we'll pretend it isn't. Worst case scenario, whenever we come back, we will do the work. We will do the uh, quarantinis. I love that name so much. It doesn't make any yeah. sense anymore, but I love that name so uh, much. Yeah, it does not. <laughs> the uh, the non teenies. I don't know. We'll we'll figure the, it out. The the nannies. The nannies. Which kind of works? Isn't Nani uh, Japanese for what? Which is kind of like it's, it's going to be so like random categories oh, and stuff right. that kind of work. Yeah, the Nani's and we'll people that up. receive it will be like, "You want a Nani?" And I'm like, "What? What is that?" So there you go. It's literally the word "what." Yeah, I got to give my go- my uh, annual Gomi Awards. Uh, yeah, 
And uh, with that, Jason, take us out. Uh, I've got it's hard. nannies. Huh? Well, it's hard when when <laughs> I've got. No- I just got to shout the word nannies, and hopefully that works. Nannies. Every now and then, you will you will throw it to me, at, and I always forget. Like, oh man, I forget that I do this every other week. It's tough, ain't it? I and to be fair, it's been two months since I've had to do this, so I really forgot. So That's what I'll point. do is this. What I'll do is this. We'll we'll talk to you guys before the holidays on Random Nintendo. But if you don't listen to Random Nintendo, have a great holiday. No, wait, that's what you did last episode. I can't do that. Oh, well, just fade me away. Just, like, play the music. I don't know.